You're listening to the Irish Times Worldview Podcast. Hello and welcome to Worldview. I'm Chris Dooley, Foreign Editor of the Irish Times. It was yet another harrowing night in France. This time it was the turn of Nice to suffer a devastating attack. 84 people were killed and over 100 injured by a man driving a truck along a promenade crowded with people celebrating Bastille Day. I'm joined on the line now from Nice by our France correspondent, Lara Marlowe. Lara, the eyewitness reports now emerging of what happened in Nice last night are horrific. Can you describe the mood and the scene there today? Uh, it, it's very, very grim. The city is quiet. Um, most people are following the orders of the, the prefecture and just staying home. So that there was very little traffic at all. Around the Promenade des Anglais, which is a, a very, very famous place, one of the famous avenues of the world, um, there was a little more animation. There were uh, riot police with with uh, police line for the one-mile section where the 84 people were killed. And there were people strolling on the promenade going up to the police line, some of them laying flowers on the ground, um, a lot of them with tears in their eyes, uh, many of them who had survived uh, the atrocity the night before. Um, the police told me that they have not been able to move the 84 bodies because under judiciary procedure, the, the investigative police must examine them, must collect uh, evidence and identify them in situ. So those bodies are out in the sun. They've surrounded them with tarpaulins. Uh, so that uh, people cannot film them, and also they want to prevent people from swimming in the sea right next to the site of the massacre. Uh, so that, that's the sort of mood. I, I talked to uh, several survivors of uh, this atrocity who fled, ran for their lives in front of this truck that was advancing at very high speed. And um, I also talked to a doctor in the psychological cell who was telling me that the, the survivors are telling him how they saw the driver zigzagging so that he could hit the maximum number of people. What happened was that the, the crowd would part uh, in front of the truck and people would run to either side. And so then he would swerve to the side to try to hit them as, as he went along. Uh, so these are, these are, I'm afraid, the, the horrible stories that are, are, are coming out of this. And also it's worth saying a word about the injuries. Um, people, the doctors had been training for Kalashnikov bullet wounds because that's what happened in Paris last November. And instead they have uh, many, many people with broken bones, broken arms, legs, ankles, uh, because that's what happens when you get hit by a vehicle. And Lara, we know that a, a Franco-Tunisian man was driving the truck and that his attack uh, was ended with his, his shooting dead by the police. But do we know anything else yet about the attacker or what his motives might have been? Uh, his motives, I mean, mo the people I talked to all said it was totally incomprehensible to them. I initially heard he was Franco-Tunisian, and then I subsequently read, I think it was the Agence France Presse's reporting, that he was in fact a Tunisian citizen born in Tunisia uh, 31 years ago who had a French residence card, um, which is a, a more, still more difficult status than being an Arab Muslim Frenchman. Um, that's really all that's come out. I think uh, one of the wire agencies reported that his identity is known. I haven't yet seen it. Obviously, the big question is, did he have links with Islamic State or another jihadist group? And will a jihadist group claim responsibility for the attack? Sometimes, for example, the, the murder of two police employees last month in June 
uh, Islamic State praised it, and, and the, the murderer said he gave credit to Islamic State, but it was pretty clear he'd acted on his own. It hadn't been planned in, in Raqqa, in Syria. Uh, in this case, there are contradictory reports about the weapons that were in the truck. Uh, the, the, the killer had a pistol, which he was firing at police when he was shot dead. Um, there were reports that the truck was full of weapons, of grenades and guns, but then subsequent reports said that there was an inoperative grenade and fake guns. Uh, so I, I think if he had real weapons, a, a real arsenal, as it were, that would tend to strengthen the hypothesis that Islamic State really planned this thing. On the other hand, uh, if he had fake guns, uh, maybe it was just something he'd thought up himself. We don't know. But we're in a situation now where every, every Muslim in the world with a grievance go out and massacre people and say he's doing it for Islamic State. Mm. And Laura, so, such an attack using a common vehicle to plough into a vulnerable crowd, it, it seems to have been a, a simple and, and devastatingly effective tactic. Have you, in your, in your experience reporting on conflicts around the world and on, 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 on terrorism generally, have uh, you ever come across this kind of a, attack before? Can you remember a, a, an attack like this before? No, I remember lots of car bombs and truck bombs, uh, you know, which were timed to explode or which perhaps rammed into a target and exploded. But I don't remember just someone plowing down innocent people in, in the street, people who were celebrating Bastille Day. I, I think what's important is that every time this has been unexpected, um, everyone expected the jihadists to strike during the Euros. They did not. Uh, everyone expected them to use suicide belts and Kalashnikovs. Uh, he or they did not. Uh, they, they waited until four days after the end of the football championship. Uh, and, and each time there's, there's a new tactic. And it's keeping everyone jumping, keeping everyone anxious and ignorant as to what can happen next. And Lara, just last week, as you reported in the Irish Times, a parliamentary commission found that there were serious flaws in security leading up to the major terrorist attacks in Paris in 2015, the Charlie Hebdo attack in January, and then the subsequent attacks, including at the Battle Clown concert venue in, in November. And today, the former Prime Minister, Alan Dubé, and, and others have criticised French security, saying that if all measures had taken place, and that this was, uh, Mr Dubé Mr. said, if all measures had taken place, the attack in Nice wouldn't have taken place. Um, is there a sense now that the response to the previous attacks was inadequate and that there, um, the security forces in France are struggling to deal with um, this ongoing uh, terrorism threat? There, there was very much the sense after the Bataclan massacre last uh, November that the proper steps had not been taken after the Charlie Hebdo massacre the previous January. Um, at the same time, we've been in a state of emergency uh, ever since November 13. And indeed, François Hollande today extended the state of emergency for another three months. Uh, but at the same time, and obviously the opposition is, is having a heyday, saying this proves the government is incompetent and, and so on. And, uh, but at the same time, it's a very, very hard job. How do you uh, keep tabs on thousands and thousands of, of um, radicalized Muslims and, without 
uh, turning it into some kind of vendetta against all the Muslim Arabs of France. There are at least there are between five and ten million of them. You can't, you know, I mean, more extreme people like Marine Le Pen would propose expelling them or or imprisoning all of them. But you know, you have to find a way that does not destroy the democracy that you have uh, to, while you're fighting this threat. So, yes, the intelligence is poor, um, but at the same time, how do you foresee a man driving down the promenade des Anglais and, and, and killing people in that way? I, was t- I heard one thing very interesting um, from actually the, the director of an Irish pub, a Frenchman who's got very good contacts with the police, and it appears that the killer had rented the truck ahead of time, pre-positioned it on the promenade because he knew that they would block off both ends of it for the fireworks while, while people were there, uh, and then went there and started the engine and, and did his, his dirty deeds um, You know, that, that in the evening. Now, could the police have stopped him sooner? There were certainly a lot of police around. Uh, Christian Estrosi, who's a very prominent right-wing politician in the south of France, had written to François Hollande on the eve of the attack, saying the police had to be better equipped, they needed more powers, and so on. So I, I think that after the third major attack in France in 18 months, uh, after more than 200 people have been killed by jihadists in France in, in 18 months, I think it's 230-something, um, yes, you're going to see a lot of criticism of the government, and the government, which is already at a very, very low point, uh, François Hollande with a 12 uh, percent uh, approval rating. This is certainly not going to help him. I, I, initially, when the first attack happened, his popularity shot up because he showed himself to be the father of the nation, as it were, and people wanted unity. I heard a psychologist at the psychiatric help unit uh, told me he's been reading um, Michel Onfray, a, a French philosopher, who says that the government has declared this war on Islamic State without the consent of the people, and that, that it is recreating Creating neo-colonial policies, and we did hear some of that uh, after the previous attacks, and I think we'll, we'll hear more of it now. Okay, thank you, Lara. We'll leave it there for now. That's all from us. Uh, thanks for listening. Patrick Smith will be back in the Worldview chair next week, and for more on this story, uh, visit our website at irishtimes.com. You're listening to the Irish Times.